Welcome to It Just Means Less, where we talk all things SEC sports. Here are your hosts, Wells Perrigan and Jacob Holman. What's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the second episode of It Just Means Less. I'm your co-host, Wells Perrigan, here with my co-host, Jacob Holman. What's going on, everybody? Um, you know, we're doing today our uh, beginning our individual team preview. And, you know, when you think of the SEC, you got to think of the one team, Alabama, been the standard the past year. And, Jacob, when you think of Alabama, who's the one person you think of? I think of Nick Saban. I think of Nick Saban and his, um, you know, Nick Saban's going into his 17th year as head coach at Alabama with a 88, 88% win percentage. Um, you know, he's just he's just a goat that a lot of people would say. Um, you know, ended last year with a big win against Kansas State after, you know, two two last last second losses against LSU and Tennessee. Um Starting off kind of shaky against Kansas State in, in the Sugar Bowl, to be honest with you, went down ten nothing, and then Bryce Young did what Bryce Young does and brought the team back and led us to a, led them to a win. But um, I think this year the big question is going to be: Are we going to bounce back against this team's LSU and Tennessee? You know, past teams have just been you know they just get mad that they lost those games. And I saw um, I saw an interview this morning or from media day this afternoon with Tyler Booker, Tyler Booker, the offensive lineman, and he said, um, we want people to want to quit when they play us. So I think that's the mentality that Alabama is going to have this year going into um, less than a month against Middle Tennessee State. Yeah, I think Alabama definitely had the chip in the shoulder going in that Sugar Bowl game last year. They, they felt like they were left out. Maybe you can make the case for they were left out. You know, I don't think so. But, you know, there's a lot of people in the state of Alabama that would disagree with me. And I'm but, one of those. You know, with Nick Saban, one of the constant themes with his year in, year out is having to replace offense coordinator, defense coordinator. Well, this year he's got to do them both. You know, we got Tommy Reese coming from Notre Dame and good old Kevin Steele coming from Miami, you know, Auburn's finest. Um, but on top of that, he's not just replacing his coordinators. He's replacing a lot of depth on that offense, on, that, um, on the whole team. You know, he had – Ten players drafted, anywhere from Bryce Young going up number one to DeMarco Helms going seven twenty-seven to seven seventh round, two hundred twenty-fourth pick to the Falcons. A lot of other notable names: Will Anderson, Jahir Gibbs, Brian Branch, Tyre Steen, Brian Young, Jordan Battle, Cameron Latu, Henry Toa Toa. You know, it's just one of them common themes now with the NFL draft is Bama players going left and right. Yeah, Bama players are Bama just is NFLU if you. You know, a lot of teams are DBU or wide receiver U, running back U. I just think Bama is NFL U. You can just kind of see that over Nick Saban's tenure at Alabama. Um, also had a lot of um, guys go into the portal. Um, you know, the biggest surprise to me was uh, Javian Cohen. Um, you know, he started most of the year, right? Yeah, he started. And he didn't give up a sack all year going to Miami. I think that's – I think that had a lot to do with NIL and maybe some other things under the table. But um, a big one, too, or an interesting one to me was Tyler Harrell. You know, he came over from Louisville, you know, the, the guy that was supposed to be the speed demon on the outside, and he gets hurt, I think, in a, in preseason or in the offseason during practice, and he just never gets the chance to bring himself um, up to the par that we thought. And then – Trey Sanders leaving wasn't necessarily a surprise to me, but um, I, I didn't like to see him go as a Bama fan just because, you know, him coming out of IMG had so much potential, and then he gets in that car accident, and, you know, everything just kind of goes down with rehab and all that stuff, having to recover from that. Um, I hate to see him go, but I wish the young man well just because he he was going to 
you know, everybody at Alabama was expecting him to do well, and I think he's going to live up to his potential at TCU. Was he one of the guys that went, you know, right when the season ended in the first, or did he go through spring and then leave? I think he left after the season, as soon as the season ended. Yeah, that that was probably my biggest surprise, too. I mean, he didn't even – I don't want to sound like I'm bashing the kid, but, you know, he did – with Gibbs leaving, you figured that running back one position was going to be open. And I, I guess he just saw enough in practice last year that he didn't think Alabama was the best place for him to shine. You know? Right. It, and it's his decision in the end. Right. So, and I mean, the Bama's – I mean, they still got five-star after five-star. I mean, right. I believe Justice Haynes was five-star coming in. So, they're not lacking. But we were talking about Bryce Young. I mean, talk about a leader of a team. I don't know if we've seen Bryce Young put the team on the back last year. I mean, the, Absolutely. I mean, there was talent everywhere, but the talent didn't gel if Bryce Young was not throwing him the throwing them the ball or, you know, um signaling out the pass protections or anything like that. I mean, he was the leader last year on the team, obviously, with thirty two passing touchdowns, had almost yeah, were, over 3,300 passing yards, 65% uh, completion rate. Pretty pretty good if you ask me, Jacob. Yeah, you know, going <clears> – <throat> excuse me. After um, – you know, you can just go to the Texas game. I just kind of think everybody was – you know, it was hot in Austin. It was so, so extremely hot that day. And, and um, especially 11 a.m. kick, which was a bit surprising to everybody. But, yeah, he just – you can even – just the leadership that he, that he exuded in that game – just uh, the hostile, the hostile crowd. You know, Sark Sark was really just dicing the defense up. Like you know, I don't think I think if Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt, I think Alabama loses that game. Maybe two touchdowns. So, but it took it took Bryce's leadership ability to put him on his back and understand that he's the guy that has to get it done. And then you can go down to you can go all the way to the Iron Bowl. You know, down. 10-3 with less than two minutes left, starting at the own at their own two or three yard line and go ninety seven yards, throwing it to mm-hmm. a freshman, or maybe Jacory Brooks was a freshman that year. Uh, was he a tra- did he transfer in? He might, he might have been a freshman. Yeah. Either way, in twenty. Well, I, we're talking about twenty one, right? Yeah, yeah. And all that. I mean, it was uh, just look about when Milrow was starting versus A and M. If Bryce Young's quarterback that game, they win by two yeah, scores. Yeah. Two scores. Now that's two that scores close. could be. Ten points. That two scores could be two touchdowns. That I mean, you know, but I think it's at least two scores. I don't think they're. I don't think the plays at the end of the game were questionable call right there. I think the refs got it right. I don't think it was pass. No, definitely but, not. But it, it was definitely one of them things where I'll say this: it was one of them things where I didn't want the ref calling it right there to decide the game. Right. I don't, I think if you call that in the first quarter on a 20, 20 yard completion or something like that, you're not going to have a lot of people upset right. about that. It was just. Um, where it was in the game that caused yeah. a lot of trouble and all that. With number one, but also going back to the production, you had number one passing off Bryce, and then you had Gibbs, best rusher, right. one of the best receivers out of the backfield. He was third on the team in receiving yards last year. With um, And you also lose the fourth guy in receiving yards last year, which was Cameron Latu, 377 yards. And uh, Treshawn Holder, that um ended up going to Oregon, was six on, in yards with 313. I mean, you, between them three guys, you had – 13 of Bryce Young's 32 touchdowns. I mean, almost right. a third are gone. Then you had on the defense, top six of your set, six of your eight solo talk tacklers are gone with Toa Toa, Helms, Battle, Branch, Byron Young, and Will Anderson. And the NIT leader, then Byron Branch with two, and the tackle for loss leader, um, Will Anderson, with 17 tackles for loss. You know, of the defensive guys, which one do you think 
I, th- I guess Will Anderson's the obvious answer. Yeah. Which of the other guys do you think Bama will miss most this year? Brian Branch, for sure. Um, I think he's. I think he was maybe the glue that held the held the secondary together. You know, he he was really a versatile guy. He didn't just, you know, I don't think he's gonna. I think he could play cornerback in the NFL. I think he can play safety in the NFL. I think he could also play outside linebacker in the NFL. Maybe the nickel slot, you know, something like that. I just think he's. I think he's good enough athlete that understands the game that he can really make a make a difference at any position that he decides to play. Um, with the guys leaving and going to the draft and then going to the portal, we can turn it around and look at the people that are coming in to Alabama from the portal. You got um, guys like Tyler Buckner and Jalen Key, Tresman Marshall, and C.J. Dippery. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, I'm, I think I'm most excited about um, Dippery, the tight end, just because you got to replace you got to replace Cam Latu, you know, and um, tight end is usually the old reliable that you can you know throw down check check down to five yards, you know, just a little just a little something like that to kind of get your offense rolling. Does sure. the ugly work in the offense passing scheme for sure? You know, I think we'll touch on a little later. I think Buckner is my favorite portal addition, just because of the. The excitement it brings to the QB battle, yeah. it goes from a two-person race to a three-person race. Sure. You know, that class, the transfer class, not that impressive if you look. I believe this is 247's ranking their class, ranked number 50th. But then you turn around and look what Saban did in the high school ranking, number one class. Sure. Something that's <laughs> almost expected now. If it's not top, it's not one, it's top five and all that, which you got three five-stars that are projected to start are projected to be a one or two on this year's roster. Um, you know, Caleb Downs out of Buford High School, safety. Yes, I think he starts right – I think he's going to start immediately. Caden Proctor, offense tackle. That uh, that Bama flipped From Iowa. Either, either signing day or I think it was a week or two before signing yeah. day. I think he's going to be somewhere. You got uh, James Smith, the D-lineman from, Cart, from uh, Carver Montgomery, big boy. I think he's going to be playing too. Between them three, I think Alabama fans should most be excited about Caleb Downs. I think yeah. Caleb Downs is going to be a generational safety back there. Yeah, I think he's going to be great in the secondary, a good leader, um, a lot of knowledge out there in the secondary, knowing what to do, where to be at the, at the right times. Um, you know, Alabama had an open practice on Saturday, um, and Caden – or. Left or one of the left tackles. I, I'm not I think sure. He was the first team. Yeah. yeah, he was. He was first team, or he was taking t- uh, reps with first team as left tackle. Um, so that should that's exciting for guys. I think you know I've seen him on campus walking around. Big, big dude. I think maybe six 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 seven. He's big, big old, big old, big old guy. Whoever wins that quarterback battle, that's going to be their best friend because sure. it's somebody that's going to be air experience coming into the SEC with that blind side right there. Yeah, having that. If if he lives up to hype, having that comfort right there at left tackle would be a huge plus for that. They'd be able to stay in the pocket a little bit longer, and let you know let the coaches work everybody open, let the routes develop. Sure. Because you look, I mean, I know this ain't the Auburn podcast, but you look down the road at Auburn with not having the offense line down, you got folks running with your heads off. You can't run the deep shots that you know Jamison Williamson was tearing folks up with that when he had uh, was it Bryce. Yes, Bryce, and all that. Same thing with Waddle. Those routes have to develop. If right. you can't protect, you can't run them. Right, for sure. We talked a little bit about uh, breakout players, but I'm, I'm going to ask you this, Jacob. I need one offensive player that you think will be a standout. 
could be a freshman, could be somebody that's been on the you know second team last year, and I want one defensive guy first. So for me, I think on offense, starting on offense, I'm going to go with J.C. Latham. Um, he's going to be starting at right tackle. So, you know, he was really productive last season, but I think he's going to take the next step. And um, with him being draft eligible this year, I think he's going to he's going to be that leader on the offensive line that holds everybody accountable. Um, with with the experience that I, that he has and the potential that I think he has personally, I think he may even boost himself to being um, a top ten draft pick this year. And on defense, I'm going to go with Deontay Lawson. Um, I really expect him to make that jump and definitely be the leader of the defense in the middle, maybe taking the spot of Henry Toto. Um, you know, he had he had the experience last year alongside Toto, but with the open practice on Saturday, there was just so many people raving about how they expect Deontay Lawson to be that guy. So um, I'm excited to see just how Deontay Lawson can live up to that hype for sure. No, I agree. I mean, I think Lawson right there, we talked earlier about six of the eight uh, top tacklers were gone. Lawson was one of them eight. I think he was he was seventh in tackles. So he's. I think he was – if he's not the leader in tackles coming back, he's second and all that. For me on the defense, we just talked about him. I think it's Caleb Downs. I think Caleb Downs is a generational talent. I think he's got that sixth sense that a safety's got to have in the SEC. It's rare to see a true freshman come in there and start at safety because, I mean, he's the quarterback, middle linebacker maybe, but he's one of the quarterbacks of the defense because he can see everything back there. And if something – it's one of the positions where just like cornerback where he can sit there and lock down all game, but then you let one deep ball by you, you let one missed tackle right there and you're the last hit, everybody's like, man, why didn't he make the tackle? You know, right. it's, it's, you could be a defensive lineman and miss – your block right there, and it might go – I mean, your tackle right there, it might go a little unnoticed. Sure. But at safety, when you're that last line of defense right there, you're going to know it. And on offense, I think it's going to be whoever wins the running back job. Um, people, Maybe Justice Haynes, it could be. I think it's going to be – all right, Jacob, you're going to have to help me out. Jace – McClellan. McClellan and all that. I think he's going to take the step off. From there. He was, I believe he was the two back last year. Yeah. And the running back position this year is going to have to help – that, that quarterback position out. We talked about how the um, Caden Proctor was going to have to help. He's also going to have to help be able to block for that running back because if you can't run the ball consistently, right. and I'm not talking about <laughs> averaging nine, eight yards carry, but get your three and a half, yeah, four yards. Yeah. Second second and six is a lot better than second and nine. For sure. And all that. So I think the winner of the running back, more specifically Jace, will be the breakout on a, on offense this year. You know, I think jumping into um, rushers like you were just talking about, um, I I think Roydell Williams may have a chance too. I think McClellan's going to be the starting running back, um, but I think Justice and and Roydell are going to be fighting for that two spot, just because Roydell's had the experience. I think he'll be like a third down back. You know, need somebody at the goal line or even Justice Haynes. I mean, he's I think he's five eleven, two twenty five. That's I mean that's mm-hmm. a that's a tank of a human human being, and so you know. It's just I think I think there's a good running back room at Alabama for sure with those three as the main the main guys that you have there. Um, then going off of that, people coming back this year, you got um, the production that's coming back. Milrow, 
you know, he took those he had those four he had those four games that he started with um Bryce being out after the injury against Arkansas. So, you know, he has the experience and then, you know, Ty Simpson had the time and, you know, the garbage time. The Yeah, he was so. four for five passing with zero touchdowns compared right. to you know, Milro with them four starts was thirty one for fifty three. Fifty eight percent um completion rate. Not terrible. Not terrible by no means. Five to three touchdown interception ratio. Could be improved on. But we talked about it, I believe, the last episode where we talked about how Milro was able to game manage his team to victories. And I think but I think that's not gonna cut it this year. I think if you're gonna be the starting quarterback and you want to be competitive in the SEC at Alabama you're going to have to be a little bit more than a game manager this year. In the past, it's been a little different. We talked about Mac Jones was talented, but Mac Jones did what he had to do, and it turned him into a first-round pick yeah. and all that. Um, we'll see. Going back to the defense, we just talked about Lawson. He was the seventh, seventh in tackles last year with 51. Dallas Turner was 10th in tackles last year. He's got 16. Leader of the secondary this year will be Kool-Aid McKinstry. For sure. Um he was the first in pass deflections with 12, but he also was – he was the other guy. He was actually ahead of um, Devontae Lawson in solo tackles. He was sixth. You know, Malachi Moore is another game that got mentioned a good bit last year. He's coming back. So, I think the secondary is going to be Bama's strength this year at defense. I think so, I think the defense is going to be Alabama's strength um, this year just because I think there's more – you know, there's not – I don't think there's as many questions on defense as there are as there are on offense when you look at when you look at Alabama as a team. I think the I think the defense is really expected to step up and make Alabama who Alabama used to be. Uh yeah, I think so. And I think the strength on offense is gonna be the receiving core. I mean sure. we talked about Burton. Burton was first in yards last year with six hundred and forty four. He was second in touchdowns with seven. Corey Brooks was the exact opposite. He was second in yards with six hundred and uh seventy four, but he was first in touchdowns with eight. Got Kobe Prentice coming back. Was Prentice a freshman last year or a sophomore? He was a he was a freshman. Yeah. Freshman, so you're gonna have so you're gonna have sophomore Kobe Prentice coming back and sophomore Isaiah Bond coming back. Both were expected to have pretty pretty good years this yeah. year. I mean, the receiving room is definitely the most experienced anywhere on that offense side of the ball right now. Absolutely, but it doesn't matter how much talent you got out there if the offense coordinator cannot scheme um, his guys open. And we look at Tommy Reeves's. Notre Dame stats. Now, granted, I think Bama's more talented than Notre Dame, so you're going to have a little bit more to work with. But at the same time, week in and week out, are you playing better opponents that are with better defense coordinators? And Notre Dame had that luxury where they were independent, so they could sit there and stroke and schedule the, um, you know, the, the, the Marshals, even the, though they ended up losing that game. Or the Marshall, but I mean, they, they still got their rivals. It was uh, Southern uh, Cal. Yeah, and all them, so they, they 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 are able to play some good opponents. Yeah, but at the same time, it's not the SEC. It's not the SEC. So For last sure. year at Notre Dame, he points per game. He was thirty third in the country with thirty two. That's, that's nothing to shout. I mean, that's that's decent. Yeah, he was, but he was fifty two, fifty second. Sorry, yeah. in yards with three hundred ninety six. His third down convert um conversion rate was really good with a forty six forty seventh percent. Yeah, that's thirteen in the country. Fourth down was not that impressive, which when you look at that, it's only four point percentage wise less, but it was ninety fifth in the country with forty three percent. And but his red zone scoring eighty six percent, which looks good, but actually only was only forty second in the country. Yeah, that's crazy to think about how 
you know, having averaging 396 yards in a game is 52nd in the country. Even though, I mean, with with the offenses and with the offenses now and the minds that you have at offensive coordinator with so many people and the different motions you can bring in and you know throwing a guy sliding a guy out and to, to spread it out you know it's just there's so there's so much diversity in offensive minds now and you know it just seems like everybody's genius now yeah and then you look over there at I mean rushing if you break it down even farther. Going into rushing, he rushed sixty percent of the time, which that's that's fourteenth in the country. Which yeah. reminds me of old Nick Saban yeah. back when you had the Derrick Henrys. Yeah, all I mean that's I mean Derrick Henry. Yeah, uh, T.J. Yeldon. Yeah, that whole group. Eddie Lacy. They like they were gonna pound. They were gonna tough you over. And they were gonna run. Um, that was good. The sixty percent rush percentage was fourteenth in the country. He averaged four point six yards a carry. I mean that's. If you do that every time, it's a first down. But yeah. still, that was only 44th in the country. Um, rush yards per game was 189, which was 32nd in the country. Then if you look at passing, pass per engine, obviously, if it's 60% rush play, it's 40% pass play, which is 118th in the country, Jacob. I mean, that's not – in today's today's offense, I don't know how many fans will like that. Yeah, especially modern fans. I mean, the old old heads are gonna love the running ball. But what do you think about you know the guys that you know the younger guys, even younger than us, they want they like entertainment, you know. And I think I think the deep ball and and just throwing it, letting the guys work out in space is what people want to see when they come and watch games. You know, they wanna they want to be entertained, and you know I can't blame them there. When you think about the best offensive minds right now, of course this could be a little media bias too. And when you think of the Riley brothers. Gunslingers, yeah, you know they're out there. I mean, you don't think of a, at least to my knowledge, a run-heavy offense coordinator as one of the top offense coordinators in the country. Definitely not. But that also because they don't score. I mean, when you're running the ball, you're running more clock. Right. You're not going to score as much, so you're, you might have more success, but your numbers might not be, your points per game might not be as well as good as other teams. Right. You know, breaking down the offense. I mean, the passing, sixty-two completion rating, which Bryce Young was. I think what do we say he was sixty-eight percent earlier. I mean, yeah. That's better than what Milro. So if Milro can, Bryce was sixty-five. So not too far under what Bryce was. Um, eight yards per pass, thirty-fourth in the country. Um, twenty-six passes a game. With within twenty-six, he averaged two hundred and seven passing yards, which is ninety-second in the country. Not the best. Um, he they averaged in us. They um might, might not be his fault. Interceptions three point two five percent of the time, which was ninety-eighth in the country. At turn. And then they also allowed sacks on 6% of the time, which is 56 in the country. That's a little troubling, Jacob. Yeah, I think that's um, – you know, going back, though, he may – you know, with, with the sack percentage being at 6% of the time, you know, you may not have the guys up front that you do at Alabama this year. So, I think that could be just not just too discouraging about for, for Alabama fans. But, you know, the passing yards per game at 207 – um, I definitely think for him to succeed in the SEC and get to pl- like have Alabama fans pleased with him, I think that's going to have to at least be in the 300s. Yeah, but you're talking about that sacks percentage. Well, you're only throwing the ball 40% of the time. Yeah. And then that 40%, then you're getting sacked six times. I mean, I guess I understand why you're only throwing it 40% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you look at his counterpart, Kevin Steele, coming from Miami, 
you know, I wasn't that impressed with his numbers either. Yeah, no, not not being in a power five at Miami. You know, um, his opponent his opponent's points per game was twenty eight, um, which was sixty six in the country. Um, and I mean, I, that's a little bit over middle of the pack, I would right. say. Um, then his opponent's yards per game was three hundred and seventy eight, which is fifty second in the country. Um, you know, that's I would say that's middle of the pack, not not really good. But I mean, Alabama fans are used to kind of people kind of going on their defense with Pete Golding in the past few years. Um, so you know, it's not too discouraging as long as the offense can step up and do their part. You just want to see that number go down. Um, the opponents averaged five point six yards per play, which was 80th in the country. Um, that's almost six. You know, it's pretty much six yards a. Six yards of play, which, you know, is good for a first down every two plays. So, you know, I would like to see that number go down as an Alabama fan. Um, his opponent's third down percentage was 42 or 43%, which is what was, was good for 100th in the country, which is below, way below middle of the pack, um, which is not good at all. And then if you go to it and look at his um, – the fourth down percentage is at 64%, which was good for 107th in the country. Um, still still not really good. Uh, and then red zone scoring against his defense was at 84%, um, which was good for 64th in the country, which is still not, not that good. Um, you know, if you go with his opponent's yards per rushing yards were 4.1, is that per game? Per carry. Per, per carry. per, per, per carry. carry, gotcha. And then 147 yards per game with 36 attempts per game. I mean, the yards per game is comes in at 52nd in the country, which is, you know, middle of the pack. You'd like to see you'd like to see that number go down a little bit. I I think you could you could argue. And then if you go in for the passing side, um, against his defense, opponents were completing sixty two percent of their passes. Which was good for 82nd in the country, um, 8.3 yards per pass, which was good for 117th in the country. 28 passes a game with 231 yards a game. He the sack percentage, his defense was averaging uh, a sack 10 percent of the time, which was good for six in the country. So I think that's that's pretty impressive. Um, and then and the interception four percent of the time, which was good for 15th in the country. So you know I think you know looking at this. Just those numbers I read to you in the off in the passing game, um, looks like his defensive line and his secondary are getting where they need to be and being there at the right time. So that's a little encouraging, I think, as far as on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, you look at these stats right here and you think he's a middle of the pack defensive coordinator, nothing special. Yeah. But then if you look at his pass, Kevin Steele is experienced. I mean, when he was at Auburn, I would say he was one of the best defensive coordinators in the SEC. I don't really think that's up for for debate. We're talking about. One of the best top three yeah. defense coordinators. I think that's – I mean, that's fair. Then we had the whole fiasco with Gus getting fired, and everybody was like, you know, the boosters were trying to – but Kevin Steele, at head coach, nobody wanted that. And everybody's like, stop the steal and all that. And then he ends up – I want to say he was an analyst at Tennessee before he got hired as OC – I'm sorry, DC at Miami. And now he's back in the SEC with Alabama. So we'll see how it goes. See how it goes. You know, that was, that's a lot of stats we just read to you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> if you're a number, if not a numbers person, you might want to skip that part of the episode. <laughs> well, 
I think the one of the key things that we just read through through was a lot of new faces. Yeah, definitely. a lot of a lot of new faces, especially quarterback room. All right, Jacob, pick a quarterback to start week one. I think the starting quarterback is going to be Jalen Milrow for week one, and I say that because I think it's best to maybe go with experience, um, which then I guess you could argue argue Buckner in that sense, you know, if you go with experience. But, you know, with the athletes that are around him, Jalen has known these guys at receiver and at all, on the O-line in his running back room, you know, um, I just think it should be him just because he has experience as the quarterback at Alabama. All right, I'm going to throw two more questions at you, bouncing off that. If it's – do you – Milrow's game one starter. Is Milrow the starter during week 13? I think so. You think so? Yeah. All right, that's fair. Now, if you weren't doing Milrow and you were picking between Buckner and Ty Simpson, where do you go there? I would probably go – I'd probably go Simpson. See, I'm the opposite. I think Buckner's going to win the job overall. I think the experience that he has with Tommy Reese and being with him for a year, two years, yeah. is going to help him in this battle. Because you look at – talk about Milrow experience. Yes, he's got SEC experience, but there's a lot of new faces around him, so you could argue the chemistry is not as there. Another thing that I probably should have researched before I came in here was, was Buckner here in the spring – yeah. I, think, I think he was. Yeah, for the I think for the latter half. So maybe. they all have the same playing field with this group and with this offense. Well, and Buckner's got the with this offense coordinator. So I think Buckner is going to start game one. You know, a, I don't, I don't think it's wrong to have an opinion. I think that I think that's a, I think I think you can really make a case for all three of them, um, but I think. Bill Rowe would probably be the better option, just it's just because he's more of a run threat too, you know. Keep yeah. keep the defense honest. Yeah, you know, I picked Buckner. And I really don't know if I picked Buckner would he be the starter at the end of the year because I mean Alabama fan base has high expectations, high for expectations. Sure. <laughs> so sure. when you're looking at that, to for an Alabama fan and Alabama, what do you think is a disappointing season for them? Um. I think anything outside of – if we're going just based off a of regular season. Regular season. Um, I think anything more than 11-1 and one is disappointing. Disappointing. Just because maybe maybe 10-2. I, I think you could you – could, you know, everybody was angry last year, you know, especially after the LSU game because you can argue in overtime the bo- block in the back from Mason Taylor that Jake Daniels ended up scoring. He scores and takes the, you know – the touchdown run into the corner of the end zone. You know, it all happened because Mason Taylor's blocking the back that everybody thinks should have been called, and I'm part of the somebody that thinks it should have been called. And then Tennessee, you know, losing on the last second field goal when you had Jameer Gibbs over the middle. If he doesn't drop that ball, I think we keep the possession and win that game. So, you know, you lose you lose those both those two games by a combined four points, and everybody was disappointed. So – I I think if it's I think if it's anything more than eleven and one, I will give him grace at ten and two. But I think anything more than eleven and one would be a disappointing. No, that's completely fair, especially with how Alabama fans have reacted in the past. And you're looking at seventeen seasons under Nick Saban. That's the expect. That's the standard now. Yeah, I think I'm gonna say nine and three. I think 
And the reason I'm going to say 9-3 and three, because you look at your three games, Texas, Tennessee, LSU, all three of them at home. Yeah. You know, if you go 9-3, and three, I'm assuming you're going 0-3 oh in them games. Okay. Or maybe lost to Auburn at the, at the end of the year. Then you're yeah. met two, one, um, one and two in them – or two and one in them games with a loss to Auburn to the year. I think that's disappointing. Okay. I think between them four games, you need to be three and one. So, or all right, bouncing I, off that, let me ask you this question: Which is more likely, twelve and zero for Alabama or nine and three? All right, when I was going through doing my predictions for Alabama, I went through. I had them twelve and zero. Mm-hmm. I think there's a loss somewhere. Yeah, but I couldn't pin. I couldn't pinpoint it. Yeah. So even though my prediction is twelve and zero, yeah. I think nine and three is more likely because it's hard to run the table in the SEC now. Yeah. It is hard to run in the table. <clears throat> For sure. I mean, Georgia has done it. Georgia's been in the East. Say what you want about the SEC East. I mean, it's just say yeah. the fact Georgia's been in the East. So I think there's a loss somewhere on that schedule. Saying that makes me think nine and three. Yeah, I, I think I think there, I think there's a loss. I think you know it always happens. You know, you don't think it now, but you know after you know say week six, you think there's going to probably be a loss somewhere just because of a disappointing game, even though you may win it or something like that. But I still think twelve and zero is more likely, because um, looking at the schedule that we have right here, um, you know Texas week two that's tough, but then you go you go to you go to Tampa and play South Florida. You know you yeah. you get a little bit of a bye game there, and then you know Ole Miss comes to Tuscaloosa. You know, I don't think Lane Kiffin's going to take it easy, but I think Alabama wins that one. It's going to be tough, but then you know, then you have State and A and M back to back. But when Tennessee comes to Tuscaloosa, you get the bye week, and then you have LSU coming to town. So you having that bye week in between those two, you know, if you can find a way to you know squeak Tennessee out and then get the bye week, and then you're rested for LSU. You know, I just think that how the schedule plays out with that that big game, then bye week then LSU you know I know I know Kentucky and Auburn and you know they're not any you know small games but I think I don't think they're as big of a challenge as LSU and Tennessee might be you look at that bye week I think maybe uh, Greg Sankey did this on purpose but that is also LSU's bye week oh really both teams will have a bye week going into the uh the um in the Tuscaloosa for that game yeah, that's that's interesting. Is that week – that's what, week nine, isn't it? Or week ten? Is that week ten technically? I guess you could say. I think it's nine. Think it's well, nine. either way, could you see both teams being eight, eight, or, eight and oh or nine and oh? Yeah, you I know? think so too. I think, yeah. I think, I think <clears throat> regardless – You think they're one and two in the country maybe? They're top four, top, top five. Four, you know. I mean, depending – you know, they are going to rank right. that eight and oh Pac-12 team. Yeah. Out there. I, there's, well, whatever's left of the Pac-12. Yeah, uh, Pac-4. Um. <laughs> I think game day is going there regardless. Yeah. Whether if LSU's LSU or Bama is that anything more than less than two losses? Yeah, two losses for either of them. I think game day's there. Um, yeah. I mean, I, their schedule. I, I don't want to say easy. Texas is pretty tough to start the year, but and then you but that Arkansas, which everybody expects Arkansas to be good. Tennessee, that's yeah. tough back to back. Both of them are at home. Yeah. Bye week. LSU, Kentucky at Kentucky. I mean, you know, Vandy went to Kentucky last year and upset them. So, I think that's one of them games where the spread's going to be up there in the in the teens. And I think Bama, I think the score's closer than it feels like. I think Bama's always going to be up two scores, but I don't think it's going to be more than um, sixteen. I think yeah. it's going to be anywhere from fourteen to to ten, and you know, one play could change the game, but it never happens. Yeah. And then you go uh, FCS week, 
you know, everybody needs hey, to see Dustin. <laughs> and then at Auburn. I mean, it's definitely Auburn Jesus is real. So no, no doubt, I mean, Amen. You know, he he is a he is a real being. So that's why I always get nervous going down there to the plains. We sit. We're sitting here talking about LSU and Tennessee. Outside of them, which one gives Alabama a run for their money? This could be an upset, or this could be the spread. Bama wins, but the other team wins the spread. Um, part of I'm kind of wanting to go Middle Tennessee just because the first game. I don't think they. I don't think they give us a run of. I don't think yes. they give them a spread's going to be somewhere around the 35, 38 yeah. total. I think I think Middle Tennessee Tennessee could cover the spread. You know, last year. Middle Tennessee went to Miami and, and beat them. Beat, and beat them when you know DC was, was Kevin Steele. And, but was that also Chris Wall's first game? If not, it was pretty close. I mean, yeah. So, I'm, but I mean, still, that shouldn't happen if you're Miami. Right. Exactly. So that that you know, saying that, I could see that. But I think the real team. I mean, I think it's, um, I think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be at. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Mississippi State. I, I'm, I'm curious to see how Zach Arnett's gonna have his team. You know how. How they'll be after four weeks, you know, going to Davis Wade. We're just sitting here guessing. Yeah. What do you think the spread on that game is going to be sitting there right now? I mean, because we, I mean, thinking about it right now, 24. 20, I think that's fair. I think 24 is fair. I don't know. I mean, you just don't know. I think it's Texas. I okay. think, it's, I think yeah. it's Texas. And I, who's the quarterback in Texas right now? Who's yours? Think yours. It's exactly yours. It's going to be yours, probably Malik Murphy, two, and then Arch, three. All three of them are really good quarterbacks. I think Ewers is the starter. I think Texas scares Alabama. Yeah. Now, whether that's – and I think it's going to come down to either this way. Either Texas has the ball and Bama gets a stop inside their 50, or Bama wins and scores the game uh, winning points, field goal or touchdown. So, you think it comes down to a last possession? Yes, but Texas could have a possession with like 15 yeah. seconds left. I think Bama's going to score somewhere within the 30 to two minute range. So last possession, yeah, yeah, last full possession. Yeah, I mean, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, we look at that schedule. Both of us, like I said, we went through there 12 and 0, 8 and 0 in the SEC. Wins the SEC West. Yeah, you so, have them running the table in the SEC. I mean, probably going to run into Georgia. Yeah, I th- you know we both have Tennessee though. Well, I mean, whoever not, it is. not a spoiler to anybody, but. <laughs> Whoever it is, do you yeah. see them running yeah. the table? Yeah, is it the? It's always is it the next week after Auburn, or do they have a week? Yes, off? first week of December. Okay. First week of December. So, I mean, I, I think so. I think, I think Alabama runs the table, makes it to the college football playoff as the one or two seed, and um, on the way to winning a national championship. I think it happens this year, but. Um, is there anything else, Wells, that we need to cover no, on, I think, on I mean, Alabama, we've been, the we've best been, team and our God's team? As some see, like I wouldn't know it. about God's team. I wouldn't say all that now. I mean, we just talked about Auburn Jesus. Yes. I mean, are you are you saying your God is on Alabama's side, but Jesus is on Auburn's side? Is that what you're? No, is it a house? Not, is let's it a, not get into religion. Is it a house? Is it a house divided up there in heaven? Is that what let's, you're saying? Let's not get into religion. Yeah, no, I think we covered it pretty well. I mean, yeah, we we talked forty minutes. We, yeah. we went in depth from stats to our own predictions and all For that. Sure. I think it was a good one. I mean, this last question. I'm going to throw one more question. All right. How many years does Saban have left? Well, he, what, he just signed and he signed an extension, you know, not too long ago. Um, let's see. I don't know. I think he has 70, 71 years old. All right, let's do this. Over under 3.5. He signed an extension to 2029. 
which so, would be and he's if he's seventy one now, that would put him at seventy eight, seven nine. I mean, yeah. I, I think he, okay, I, I think he finishes contract out. You I think he him. goes to eight? I mean, you basically say eighty. I don't know. He I might as well. Yeah, you know, I, eighty I think, rounds up to ninety, so he's practically ninety, and then ninety rounds up. To I mean, he's gonna be like Lee Corso out there on their pit for game day. So I, I yeah. think I think Saban will finish his contract out, and then he'll call it. We'll see. I mean, I think it's definitely gonna be an interesting year for Alabama for sure. So. Well, if we ain't got anything else, I guess yeah. we can conclude this episode. It's been fun, Jacob. It's been fun, Wells. We'll see you guys on the next episode of It Just Means Less.